Good morning. Happy New Year. Okay. I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Oh, my goodness. All right. Wow, I'm just going to knock everything over today. I'm on a roll. Let's see what I can do. You know, this New Year, New Me stuff sounds good on paper. New Year, same old clumsy me. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. Oh, oh. God still loves me. My mama still loves me. I, right? Okay, good. Jesus still loves me. Whew, all right. Y'all still love me? All right. Thank you. Love y'all. Happy New Year. I, I want to start this new year with kind of a, a throwback to a while back. Um, when I was growing up in kind of an old school Baptist church, we used to do these things called responsive reading sometime. Anybody remember those? Anybody have some of those? That was like some people did them, some people didn't. It kind of depended on whoever was the preacher or the music leader at the time. So it, it kind of works like this. The preacher or whoever is leading at the moment will, will read a line, and then the congregation will respond with a line. Um, we haven't done that a lot with Recreate. And there's a reason for that. We are intentionally seeking to be a church that's thinking about people who don't normally do church, who aren't always comfortable with church. And the idea of coming into a church environment and being asked to read something out loud, well, that's maybe not super comfortable. But if we do it all together, nobody has to be nervous. And if you're nervous about it, you have my complete blessing to just lip sync as everybody else reads. Okay, that's really, really okay. Um, so today, we're going to be a team. We're going to be a tag team, Billy. We're going to be a tag team. I'll be Hulk Hogan, you be Ric Flair. Tag team, like Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, uh, Bert and Ernie, SpongeBob and Patrick, Shrek and Donkey. We're about to Mario and Luigi this scripture. So it's going to be easy. So here's how it works. Um, I'll read the first part of the verse, and, and uh, Matthew, go ahead and put the first part up there. I'll read the first part of the verse, and you respond with the second part of the verse, the one that's in the red letters, okay? And do me a favor. Read it nice and loud. I'm going to turn this mic around here so the folks out in listening to the podcast can catch it, all right? So be real loud. Those of you who, who feel like being loud, you be real loud. And those of you who are going to lip sync this, God loves you. It's fine. It's totally fine. So this is probably the most famous passage in the whole Bible, maybe. Very familiar. 23rd Psalm. And uh, even folks who have never intentionally read the Bible have heard at least bits of this. There's bits of this that kind of show up here and there, if not the whole thing. So here we are. You ready to do this? Ready to tag team this? Batman and Robin, you can be Batman. I don't care. I'll be Robin. That's okay. It takes the pressure off me. So um, let's do this. Nice and loud. Ready? Here we go. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I sh- I almost took your part. Okay. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. That's the hardest one to part to read, and I made y'all do it, so sorry. Um, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You prepare a table before me in... In the presence of mine enemies. Mm. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. 
Mm, that's good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, in Jesus' name, I pray you'll teach us a little something about having an overflowing cup because we're going to need it in 2023. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of good stuff there. I mean, you could preach on that for a long old time. That's it's 23rd Psalm. I don't know that I've like systematically preached through the 23rd Psalm since we've been together. That may happen someday. Um, but I really want to concentrate on the last part of verse 5. My cup runs over. Or for those of us who grew up in that, that King James world, my cup runneth over. That's kind of what I was used to. And that's my cup runneth over. Boy, that sounds good. It's so poetic. And that's the way it's supposed to be, right? As believers, we're supposed to be overflowing. Lord, my cup runneth over. I'm so blessed. Too blessed to be stressed. Too rich to run out. My cup runneth over. And it should be that way. And we want it to be that way. And spiritually, the truth is, it is that way. But it doesn't always feel that way. Sometimes it doesn't feel like my cup runneth over. It feels like my cup runneth dry. My, my cup has a cracketh in it um and some days i cannot seem to find my cup at all where art thou my cup my cup runneth away it feels that way sometimes so what about those days when it feels like we don't have enough like our cup is empty or or at least not full the days when we don't seem to have enough money or time or energy we want to give to others we we feel that value we want to be able to share but what happens when our cup is not overflowing what what happens when our cup is is just going going dry if we keep dipping out of our cup then what now i want to say something a little controversial all right controversy are you ready i can tell by billy's face he's not ready so get ready he's ready he's ready <clears throat> not too controversial. All right. I'm not going to mess with any doctrine here. I'm just going to say it like this. The only way to sustainably give to others is the only way to sustainably give of your time, your money, your energy, your resources is to have a cup that is overflowing. Because if you keep dipping out of your cup, eventually what happens to the cup? It goes dry. Now, Listen, listen, this isn't me letting you off the hook. This isn't letting me, me letting you off the hook um, to say that you don't have to share. You can be stingy. You don't have to give of yourself anymore. Uh, that's, that's not what it is. It's not permission to be stingy or selfish. But what I am saying is that we need to rethink and realign the way we understand giving of ourselves and what it means to have enough so we've been in the gospel of mark for a while i hope you've been enjoying the gospel of mark i've been learning a lot we're going to set that aside for a little detour over into something else that i believe you will need and i know i need it because i got a confession to make um i've been dipping out of my cup for a while i've been dipping out of my cup and what happens if you keep dipping out of the cup it gets dry. I, I've shared with you folks, and I've shared, asked some for you to pray for me personally, because it's like, uh, if my cup, if I keep dipping out of my cup, I won't have anything to give to you guys, and I have a responsibility to share with you all, to, to bring some teaching from the Lord 
and uh, but I feel like I've been dipping in that cup enough where my cup is starting to get a little dry. I don't think I'm the only one who knows what it's like to have your cup feel like it's getting a little bit empty. You know, you start dipping into that cup. You, I know you folks, you want to give of your time. You want to give of your resources, your energy. You want to help people, love people. But it's dipping into your cup, and you can feel it. And it's like, oh, man, I love these people. I want to do for them, but uh, I just don't know if I have it to give. That cup level gets lower and lower, and it starts to feel kind of dry. And that's been me lately. That's been me. And it seemed to be getting worse every week. And I've shared that with some folks. Somebody must be praying for me. Y'all pray for the preacher. You should pray for the preacher because you want to hear good preaching, right? I mean, that's a good reason. Good preaching, pray for the preacher, all right? So if the preaching ain't no good, it's not my fault, it's y'all's. I don't think it works that way. Sorry. But somebody must have been praying for me because the Lord led me back to a principle that I've known, but I had lost sight of. Something that I, I shared with some staff members quite a few years ago. I call it the principle of overflow. Overflow. Got to have overflow. When we share something of ourselves, there is an outflow, right? When this goes for sharing something spiritual or something material, sharing your time, whatever it is. It, it goes for helping people, being involved in their lives, encouraging, listening, um, praying with people and more. It goes for sharing your gifts and your talents, your money, your resources, whatever it is. Sharing creates an outflow. And that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. A cup of water has a purpose, and that purpose is to quench thirst. You, an outflow has to happen in order for the cup of water to fulfill its purpose. But if a cup of water is going to continue to quench thirst, what has to happen? It's got to be refilled. It's got to be refilled again. If it's going to every time... The cup serves its purpose. It has to be refilled. And a particularly wonderful cup would be one that, that was always flowing like a fountain, you see. When it's not just a cup, it's, a, it's like a fountain overflowing all the time. That would be the, the cup that is in ideal condition to serve its purpose. So Lord willing, we're going to talk about this idea of overflowing. We're going to do this for a while, um, maybe two, three weeks, something like that. We're going to talk about the principle of overflow in three main areas of our lives, in our time, in our resources, and in our energy. Today's about time. Time's a funny thing. Have you noticed? Time doesn't always feel the same. I know sometimes people say that we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Well, okay. Whoever said that never had small kids. Is that a fact? Never had small kids. Because, yes, we all have 24 hours, but those 24 hours are different. I say a, a billionaire who has people working for him or her and they can just sort of do what they want all day and somebody else is taking care of everything and a single mom working two jobs with small kids, they both technically have 24 hours in a day But it's not the same, is it? It's not the same. Time is different. And you ever noticed that time seems to be different? It seems sometimes it goes faster. Sometimes it goes slower. When you are doing something you really enjoy, time goes faster. 
when you are whipping your friends and family at Monopoly. Time, time just goes by and you don't even notice it. However, try, you know, five minutes of doing something you love goes by in an instant. Okay, now try holding your breath for five minutes. Okay. Uh, I mean, some of y'all listening to music you don't like for five minutes. Keith, think of having to listen to country music for five minutes. <laughs> I pick on Keith. And it, Alexis would say, five minutes is not long enough. Time would fly for Alexis listening to country music, but not for Keith. It's different. It feels different, you know. Sometimes time goes quickly. Sometimes it goes slowly. And that is not just... That is not just like an experience of the, the way we, we view it. There's some science behind that, too. Einstein's theory of, of special relativity shows us a very curious thing. Hey, I love science, y'all. Elijah, perk up. You're going to like this. He's, a, he's my science boy. You see, science proves that time doesn't always move the same. Time is relative. Someone who is going Faster, moving faster, will age less, experience less duration of time than someone who is sitting still. Now that sounds weird. It sounds impossible. But it's actually been scientifically proven. Most of the time, it's on such a small, small level that it's like not a difference. Suppose two people were born at the exact same moment in history. One of them works their whole career behind a desk. The other of them works for the airlines, and they fly all over the world, back and forth, and they do that for their whole career. The person who is moving actually ends up a fraction of a second younger than the person who was born at the exact same time. Isn't that weird? A tiny fraction of a second. They've been through less time. That's, that's why Marshall looks so young. Yeah, that's it, because she's worked for the airlines for years. That's why she looks so young. And that's something that's wild, and it's weird to think about. A tiny fraction of a second, that's not a big deal. Tiny fraction of a second. But when you go a lot faster than that, the effect is much more dramatic. So suppose you got on a spaceship, and you traveled at nearly the speed of light. That's where the crazy stuff really happens. You traveled at nearly the speed of light, for like six months, and you turn around and come back, how much time will have passed for you? Six months plus six months. A year. But the people on earth will have been through maybe ten years. Isn't that wild? Any of y'all watch these crazy science fiction movies? I love stuff like that so much. I eat that science fiction stuff up. But it's actually based in at least a little bit of fact that the faster you move, the your time sort of stretches out. It's wild. It's such an amazing thing. The phenomenon is called time dilation, and if you want to take a deep dive in that, there's Google and there's Wikipedia for that because I haven't got time to tell you all about it today. But the point is, time isn't the same. If you could live at the speed of light, you always have enough time. And at the heart of this message is, is the truth that time is different when you're living at the speed of light. When you're living at the speed of God's light. When you're in God's light, time becomes a different thing. You might find you have time that you didn't know you had. So I want to look at one of the most famous stories Jesus ever told. It was about a guy who 
Well, he didn't really have time, but he made time. Even when other people who probably had more time didn't make time, this guy was living at the speed of light. He was in God's light, even though he was an unlikely person to be, to, to be that example. The story comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 33, and I'm just going to tell it like a story. I would encourage you to read all that yourself. I'm going to tell it like a story today because that's how Jesus did it. He told it like a story. There was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jesus does not give us a name for this man, but I think it would be easier for us, instead of saying the man, to give him a name, okay? So let's come up with a good name. What do you think? Bob, I hear Bob, I hear, I hear just Bob, huh? Let's see. Eustace? Festus. Somebody's been watching Gunsmoke. Festus. Well, I think, I think I got an idea of a name. I'm going to use this name. I hope it works for you. Um, as good as Festus is. I think I'm going to go with Alejandro. Alejandro. I like the sound of I like the sound of it and it's funny because when I first met my niece, my brother's stepdaughter, the very first time I met her, I'm always silly with kids and and I told her my name was Alejandro and she called me that for the next decade. I think she stopped calling me. She's like 21 now, so she stopped calling me Alejandro, but from the time she was little to long, she said Alejandro and she had a speech impediment, so she was like, Alejandro called me Awahandwo for a long time. Is such a sweetheart. Such a sweetheart. So he's going to be Alejandro. Is that all right? Alejandro. That'll work. That'll work. I'm just going to roll with that. Um, so Alejandro is going from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's about a 20-mile trip, and it's on foot. And there's not a whole lot in between. There's a few little communities kind of on the Jerusalem side of the journey, but it's mostly rocky hills. A, a fit, healthy person could make the trip in a day, maybe, on foot. And that's probably what this guy was trying to do because there was not a good place to spend the night for most of this trip. There would not have been, you know, there's not community, there's not houses for most of the trip. And you try to make it in one day. So it was a pretty, that's an ambitious thing. Walking 20 miles in a day, that's a pretty good hike. Some of y'all probably do some hiking. That'd be, that'd be quite a hike. They were a little more used to it maybe than we are. So Alejandro starts out and he makes pretty good progress. And uh, there's a few little communities sort of on the Jerusalem side of the trip, uh, Bethany and Bethphage. But he must have gotten past those and away from civilization because when the real drama of the story begins, he's far enough from civilization that nobody can hear his cries for help. Nobody can hear him scream. You see, Alejandro was not alone on the lonely road. There were eyes watching him from behind the rocks. Thieves were there, ready to jump him. Jesus doesn't give us the details, but you can sort of imagine it easily enough of, you know, one thief jumping out and confronting him with a knife, and, and while he's distracted, the next one comes back out behind him and hits him in the head with a club. What we do know for sure is that they beat this man till he could not move. They just beat him down, beat him unconscious. They took his money pouch. They stripped him of his clothes. They took his vintage Air Jordans and the Starbucks card he just got for Christmas. Or whatever else he had. I don't think he had those last two things. They, had, they took his Air Jerusalems. And 
They took his heir Jerusalem's and left him for dead on the side of the road. And, and he just, he can't move. He's too broken. And somewhere in the back of his mind, in the little bit of shred of consciousness that he's holding on to, he knows he's probably going to die. So he lays there for hours, bleeding and baking in the hot sun, and the vultures start to smell the blood, and they're circling overhead, and it looks pretty bad. And as he slides in and out of consciousness, he hears a crunching sound. And he's got to be wondering, are the bad guys coming back? Are they coming to finish me off now? And I, I just imagine that he kind of looks through the little crack of his puffy eyes and he sees a white and blue robe in the distance. This person who has come upon him is one of the priests from Jerusalem. I imagine the man trying to call out, but he can't. His voice is, you know, he just has no ability to cry out for help. And, and he's got to be hopeful, though, because a priest is here. Surely a priest would help him. They, they were the guys who were supposed to be most in touch with God. And thank God, Alejandro is saved. He's rescued. Or, well, maybe not. You see, the priest sees this man beaten down and bleeding, and he hurries on past on the other side of the road. What? What's the matter with him? I'm with you, Joe. Joe says, what's the matter with him? What is the matter with that man? Why didn't he stop and help? What was he thinking? Now, he was probably thinking what any honest person would be thinking. I mean, we would always like to think that we would stop and help, but he probably thought, oh, my goodness, what happened to this man? And are those people who did this still around? If I take the time to help this man, I'm putting myself at risk of getting beat up too. This will be me. I'll be a victim too. And if I did stop and help this man, would there be time to get him anywhere before dark? Because remember, they're kind of out in the boonies. There's not a lot of place to go to. It's not, it's not like they're a mile out of town. They're maybe a long way from somewhere. Would there be time to get him somewhere before dark? Because I don't want to be out here after dark. There's wild animals and there's obviously wild people around. And look at him, he's so bad off, would there even be time to get him somewhere before he dies? That's probably what this priest is thinking. The priest decided that there wasn't time for any of that. That he didn't have time to get beat up and he didn't have time to get this man anywhere. So he walked on. And time passes. And the man on the ground, Alejandro, he hears more footsteps. There's a, a new person coming. And this person wears a fine linen garment. Oh, he's a, he's a Levite. A Levite was another kind of religious leader. They weren't priests, but they worked in the temple. They were like caretakers in the temple. And this Levite took one look at the man on the ground. And what did he do? He, passed, he went to the other side of the road and hurried out of there as quick as he could. Now, what's he thinking? Probably the same thing. He's, he's worried it would take too much time to help the man, which would leave him open for attack. Getting beaten up and robbed on the side of the road? Ain't nobody got time for that. They bounced right out of there. So things are looking pretty grim for our boy, Alejandro. But the story isn't over. Now, we've talked about him the whole time, but he's not actually the main character of this story most of the time when we tell it that would be another guy who isn't named but we could call him sam for short and i think that would make a lot of sense see sam comes along and he's leading a donkey sam isn't a priest 
He isn't a Levite, and we're going to find out that his religious priorities were probably out of whack. He's just a regular guy trying to make a living. Well, what's Sam doing out on the road? Jesus does not explain, but most likely if he was on that trip between Jerusalem and Jericho, it was on some, he was on business and he would have been trading something. Jericho was a big center of trade and people would go down to Jericho and pick up goods and bring them back to Jerusalem or points further away and they would sell them. And that would probably explain why he had a donkey. He probably wasn't riding the donkey. The donkey was to carry the goods that he was bringing back from Jericho. That's, that's a pretty good guess, I think. So he sees this man laying on the ground. What's he going to do? He sees him bleeding, nearly dead, obviously the victim of an attack. Does Sam pass by on the other side of the road? Some of you know the story. He's, Sam is a good guy. He's good. Sam is a good guy, relatively speaking, anyway. He, he doesn't run away. He stops and he takes the time. He risks his own neck and he takes the time. He does what he can in the way of first aid, which isn't much. Jesus said that this man had some wine and some oil with him. And he used the wine, you know, the alcohol in the wine would be kind of a okay antiseptic. And he poured the wine on the wounds and tried to clean them up. Then he poured the oil on the wounds to try to soothe them. He bandaged this man up and he put him on the donkey. Now he's got to get him somewhere. If you look on a map where this took place, it's kind of rugged hills. There's not a lot around. The quickest way to get him somewhere was to backtrack towards Jerusalem towards Bethany or Bethphage, most likely. That would cost Sam more time. And it would mean more time spent out there in an area where he's vulnerable for attack. But that's just what he does. He takes the man to the nearest town, probably Bethany, maybe Bethphage, and he takes him to an inn. In those days, an inn was much more than a hotel. It was much more than a bed and breakfast. It was sort of like someone took you into their big house, and they would provide for you. They, you would get maybe three meals a day, and they would care for you medically. There were no such things as hospitals then. And as I shared with you last month, hospitals and stuff like that didn't really exist until Jesus' people brought them into existence. So there's something you can be thankful for. And you say, ah, well, the church has done this. The church has done that. I say, you don't know what the church has done, folks. There would be no hospitals and orphanages and things like that if not for Jesus' people. Anyway, so... Sam brings this guy to the inn and he cares for him through the night and he's got to leave in the morning because he's on a time crunch and he makes arrangements with the innkeeper to take care of the, the injured man, Alejandro, we've been calling him. And he gives him two denarii in advance to take care of him. And that's maybe something like 200 or $400 maybe in today's money, something like that. It was... It was um, two days' wages for a, a fairly well-paid person. Um, so then he leaves on his way. He had to leave, and he went to Jericho after that, seemingly. And he's a full day behind schedule, but he'd done the right thing. Now, when Jesus finished telling this story, the people listening to it didn't know what to think at first. Because the people listening to this story were people like priests and Levites. They were religious leaders that he was talking to. And in this story, the religious leaders should have been heroes, but they weren't. So the religious leaders who are listening to the story are, are kind of uncomfortable about that 
because they would view themselves as the good guys. And Sam, the guy in the story who actually did the helping, they would have viewed as a bad guy. I'm calling him Sam because he was a Samaritan. We like, the, the word Samaritan has a positive connotation today because of the story. We even call him the good Samaritan. But in those days, Samaritans were not viewed in a good light, at least not by most of the Jewish people. The Samaritans were of, of mixed ethnicity, and that was frowned upon. They were religiously mixed, and that was frowned upon. They, they had some like Jewish elements to their faith, but they also had some other stuff mixed in. And these religious leaders would have looked very unfavorably upon a Samaritan. And yet we have in this story, the religious people didn't take the time and this samaritan whose religious ideas were not really what they should be he did take the time he had far more compassion and he demonstrated far more practical righteousness than these religious guys did i mean the priests and the Le- the priest and the levite they were the professional believers they were the professional helpers but they did not take the time probably they had more time they were, the, they were the salaried religious professionals. They were just doing what they were doing. It pro- would not have cost them anything money-wise. Uh, they were supposedly the one who had the monopoly on God's light, but the Samaritan was the one who was walking in the light in this instance. He probably didn't have time to backtrack. His living was depending on him getting where he was going on time and getting back on time. But when God put the opportunity in front of him to make a difference, he made time. And God blessed his time. We don't know what happened to him after that. But I think it's pretty fair to say that uh, he made it to his, he made his trip and everything was okay. Probably we would have, Jesus would have explained if it hadn't. He had time. He didn't have time, but he did have time. Because time works differently when you're in God's light. Time was different at the speed of light. You know, we like this story. You like this story of the Good Samaritan? That's a good one. That makes all the bedtime Bible stories. That is a wonderful, all the bedtime Bible story books that I've ever seen. They have the Good Samaritan in there. We love that. And we read this story and we say, if I was there, I would have helped that man for sure. But. God gives us opportunities all the time. And we don't always take them. We don't always take the time to help. To make, we don't always, we see, sometimes we see a mess and we walk in the other direction. When God is calling us to be people who are willing to walk toward the mess. But when you walk towards the mess, and especially when the mess is a person you're going to be there a while but god is calling us to people who will walk towards messes we of course we're like i know i want to help i want to help but i'm so so very busy oh i get it we are so so busy we are like super extra double shot espresso busy i get it i get it a hundred percent i'm so glad to be the pastor of recreate church but i also work a full-time job and, and we had somebody step down from a key position, so I'm working two people's full-time jobs right now at work. And, and I have family responsibilities that I sort of halfway keep up with or try to. And then today, I go back to grad school as of today. 
I'm going back to grad school and get my master's degree in business. So y'all pray for me, would you? I'm about to get, it's about to get crazy. I, if I don't walk in God's light, I'm in trouble. Because I'm going to be living at the speed of light, almost like a literal way, because it's going to be go, go, go. But life is different at the speed of light. I'll be younger. I'll be younger. Look at, yeah, I'll be younger. It'll be nice. It'll be wonderful. You know, but pray for me. But my point of all that is, is I understand busy. I understand busy. I do. I, I felt that pressure. Um, we started this message with the idea of an overflowing cup. So much of the time we're dipping out of our cup. Have you felt that way? That you're di- I mean, you want to give, you want to help, you want to give your time to people, you want to love people, you want to give to people, give your energy, but you're dipping out of that cup, and it's getting lower, and it's getting drier, and it's getting harder, and sooner or later, that cup is not going to be overflowing, the cup is going to be empty. And then what? If we don't make sure that cup is refilled... It's not going to work. We should give. Absolutely, we should give. We should share. We should give our time. We should give our resources. We should give our energy. We should give our love to people. But that cup's got to get refilled. How's it going to get refilled? Maybe the first step is to see what's emptying our cup that's not that important. I think sometimes we pour pour our cup out for stuff that's not that important. Um, And I'm definitely guilty of this. Uh, We... We can spend a lot of our time with things that don't matter, that are distractions. How, much, how many hours a day are taken up in front of some kind of a screen, not doing anything particularly productive, a, a phone, a tablet, a computer, a TV, video games? How much of our time is taken up by some kind of a escape or something that it's really not doing anything for us? It's just passing the time. And it's easy. For that to be the case, and, and I hate that, I hate that in myself, I, I have like this anxious scrolling habit, anybody else have that? Like I'm just anxiously scrolling, saying, Katie, say, are, you just, are you scrolling? It's like, I don't really want to be, I'd rather be doing almost anything else. Well, why are you doing I don't know. It's like an anxious thing, just like scrolling, 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 scrolling. And that's got to that's go away, y'all. That's got to go away, because I'm not going to be able to do all this stuff that I got to do. So, maybe... Maybe we need to look at the things that are taking up our time and seeing if they're really good for us. Now, maybe you've got it all figured out and you've got your schedule. You trimmed away all of that stuff and you're in good shape. Most of us can use some help. Um, Here's the reality that we need to look at that might help us prioritize our time. If God sent us an opportunity to make a difference, would we have time for it right now? What do we have time for it? Now, if you do, that's great. If you don't, let's ask why. Would we have time to give to the thing God wants us to do? Or is our schedule full? I mean, we say, yes, we would absolutely help the man on the side of the road. But would we have time? So let's just say we've done it. We've changed our priorities. We're no longer wasting time on Facebook and and Instagram and whatever, we're no longer watching like, like uh, 
TLC all day and dance moms and all that junk. That's like, don't do that. That'll rot your brain. All that stuff. TLC used to stand for the learning channel. You know what you're learning now? You watch that? You're learning everything you should not be doing. It's the lousy channel. Yeah, there you go. It's bad stuff. <clears throat> so suppose we've got all that straightened out. Then what? We've still only got 24 hours in a day, right? That's all we got. What do we do with it when we got too much to do? I want to give you this quote. It's one of my favorite quotes. It's from Martin Luther, who was a big leader in the Reformation. I don't agree with everything Martin Luther ever said, but he had this bit right. Check this out. Martin Luther said, I have so much to do today that I'm going to need to spend the first three hours in prayer to be able to get it all done. You like that? So much to do today that I'm going to need to spend the first three hours in prayer in order to get it all done. Well, how does that make sense? You're saying you're taking three hours out? Now you only have 21 hours in the day? Aha. But remember, it works differently. Life is different at the speed of light. Life is different when you're in God's light. I mean, we'll probably never get to get on a spaceship and travel at the speed of light and experience this thing where time stretches out. But I'm telling you, when you give your time to God and make Him a priority, especially early in the morning if you can, time is different. You can get more done when God is empowering you. When you're living in His life, if we put down other stuff and pick up Jesus, I'm telling you, make time to connect with God in prayer. Make time to connect with God through studying the Bible. Make time to, to listen to good teaching. I mean, I'm getting back to listening to my podcasts, okay, from other preachers that are they're solid in the Word and feeding my soul. If you make time for your own spiritual connection with God, you will be surprised what happens with the rest of your time. Life is different when you're in the light. See, this has been my problem. I've been trying to prepare spiritual food for others, and I haven't been leading enough time to get my own spiritual nutrition. And that's why the cup's been running dry, because I haven't been taking time to get it filled back up again. The only way to sustainably give to others is to have a cup that is overflowing, or at least being refilled. And the only way to overflow is to spend time with God the time you spend with God is not time subtracted from your schedule. It's time multiplied. Test me on it, all right? Don't test me. Test God on it. See if it's not true. Give God an hour every day and watch what happens to your schedule. I bet things change. I bet they do. So we, we need to maybe, well, I need to stop and, and repent about not taking the time for the things that are the most important. And we all need to trust Jesus with our hearts and with our time. Time is so precious. We only get this one life here on earth. And every second counts. Let's make it count. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of time. And I am so sorry for how I have not used it wisely in many cases. Lord, I pray that you'll give us all the heart to put you first to make time for you, and may you multiply our time when we have that connection with you. I pray we'll be overflowing and have time to give to the people who's, who you put in our path. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Happy New Year to you guys. I hope you have a wonderful start of the new year. I pray God blesses you in 2023. I pray that God will prepare us all to, to trust 
to trust in him and to be people that he can trust with blessings. So that's all I got today. I hope your day is wonderful and hope you get to spend it with people you love. So if you want to hit that thing and we'll be on a roll.